Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? All right, well, I'm here again. It's good to see everybody. <laughs> well, I'm excited about today. I was disappointed that I was going to be up here, but we know Pastor Travis will be up here next week, God willing. So you'll bear with me one more Sunday, and I pray that this, pray that this word I've got uh, is something that will just plant a good seed in your heart and, and goes out because... You know, I don't nothing. I don't have anything to say, but I just pray God speaks through me. So let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for each and every one of us and, and the ability that we can come in this country and worship you freely, God. And, and I pray that you would just bless this service. Speak through me, God. You know better than anybody that I don't have anything to say on my own. But speak through me. Uh, allow nothing I say, you know, to be of me, but to be, be of you, God. And we just pray for this message, pray for one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, so we're back to another week. Last week, Pastor Javi did a great job speaking on storms. Anybody, who was here last week? Yeah, Raise a hand. Most of us, right? We've all got our hands up. How many of you guys forgot it, the time changed and you slept in your missed your alarm so you're now at second service instead of first? Raise your hand. No, <laughs> me almost, right? It would have been something to show up. So Javi, Pastor Javi talked about storms. He talked about us going through storms in life, difficult times, and in those storms, in those struggles, finding God, finding the presence of God and him walking us through so that we can walk on the water, right? And, and so we know that storms happen in life. We know that, that if, you, you know, if you've lived any second on this planet for a second, you'll realize there's troubles, there's troubles, there's struggles, there's, there's hard times, there's moments where you just want to lay down and pray Jesus takes you. Jesus himself said, you're going to have troubles. But, he always adds a but, take heart because I've overcome the world. So Jesus has already overcome the world in our struggles, but we still struggle, we still have issues. And there's a huge, and I've said this probably every time I'm up here, there's a big misconception in Christianity that because there's a God, because I'm saved and because God loves me, my life should be perfect. And that's one of the biggest oppositions to people believing in God or entering into a relationship with Jesus. It's that, that you know, how, how can I trust a God or how can a God exist that allows trouble to happen in this world, that allows people to die, that allows wars to go on, that, that causes all these, these things. And do you know that that's not true? God doesn't cause, he doesn't give trouble. He's not a, a giver of trouble or a giver of, of wars or of death. The problem is, is that we live in a fallen world. God's whole design for what you and I are doing in this world, his whole design in the beginning was for man to live in right relationship with God in fellowship with one another. But sin has entered the world. Satan was able to creep in and convince Adam and Eve that they didn't need to believe what God was telling them, that, that God was hiding some stuff from them and, and they disobeyed God. And that's when sin has entered the world. And because we live in a fallen world, a world of sin, we now have troubles. We now have cancer. We now have wars and famine and, and all kinds of issues, not because God caused it, but because man in their heart decided that life would be better apart from God. That's what sin is. 
Sin is life apart from God because when God says he's righteous, he's loving, he's all-knowing, he's powerful, he, he, he cannot, he's not a liar, and, and, and sin is a separation from God. And when we're in sin, God wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be in fellowship, but he cannot because of who he is and who we are. And so life is going to give you trouble. You're going to have troubles. But we as Christians, it's a dangerous theology to think to ourselves that, that, you know, God, because you love me and because I'm doing everything right and because I've gone to church for 52, day, 52 weeks out of the year plus occasional Wednesdays, God, I'm doing everything. So I'm always going to be okay, right? I'm always going to have money. I'm always going to get along with people. I'm always going to make the right decisions. I'm always going to, go, going to be free of sickness or health or whatever it might be. And it's dangerous because if we get that kind of thinking and we say to ourselves, you know, God is perfect and I'm perfect because I serve a mighty God. I'm going to live an easy life. When we say to ourselves, when that's our type of thinking when troubles and storms come because they are going to come. It's not if, it's when. That shakes our faith because now our theology is thinking, well, God, I thought I was doing something right and I thought you loved me and now you hate me and now life has given me issues and troubles and I've done something wrong. Perhaps I haven't, haven't fulfilled the right calling or whatever it might be. It's dangerous to have that type of thinking. What's even more dangerous is, is, is trying to, to change who God is according to our circumstances. How many of us, you know, we hear of, of good testimonies and good stories, and when prayers are answered in our life, our response is, praise God, God is so good. God is good all the time, all the time God is good. But how many of us are willing to say that when life is throwing you a curveball, when you're down and out, when you're rolling on, on death's door, when you're knocking, and, and how many of us are willing to say, despite my health issues, despite my troubles, God is good? We're, we're, we're quick to say God is good and to give him all the praise when our life is easy, but we're very slow and, and, and intimidated or whatever the word might be to, to give him the right praise and the right uh, worship when our life is terrible. We're not on a scale. God is who he is, what he's about is not dictated by our circumstances. It's not a scale. There isn't, there isn't because I'm down here, God is down here or he's left me or because I'm up here, God is right up here. God's always right up here and you and I are the ones that are going up and down and it's our responsibility to look towards God and trust in him. Out of God's goodness, and this sounds kind of contradictory, you know, out of God's goodness and out of his love, he allows you and I to go through trials. And so Pastor Hobby talked about storms, so I want to look today, why does God allow trials? Why would a good God allow me in my life to struggle, to, to doubt, to be down and out? Why would a God who claims to love me, allow me to go through trials. And I think that by the time we're done today, we're going to realize what the word of God says when it comes to trials and find that our God is faithful and loving and he does all things for our good and for our purposes. So we're gonna look at three things. We're gonna look at, 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 at the you know, reasons why God, God allows trials and troubles in our life. For number one, to test our faith, to keep us from relying on our own strength and ability and to equip us to help others. I want you to know that, that, that today, I don't know what you're going through. Some of y'all might be going through some, some really dark, heavy stuff. Maybe you've come out of some dark stuff. Maybe some, nobody else in this room knows what you're going through except for God. I'm telling you, and, and I hear my heart on this, there's a reason for what you're going through. There's a purpose for it. 
There's a reason and a purpose for what God is taking you through. There's a reason for our seasons in life. Just as there's a winter and a, and, a, and a spring and a summer and a fall, there's seasons in life. There's seasons of being up on the mountain. There's seasons of being down. It's just a matter of fact. But through those, right, it doesn't mean when we're down at the bottom that God is necessarily angry with you or he's disappointed with you. We can't make that mistake of saying, listen, you know, because I've, I've really, you know, I'm really struggling today. Um, God must be upset with me. Maybe I did something wrong or, or whatever. There is a time in your life where, where, you know, especially in the Bible, we'll find all kinds of stories where man will... Will, will, will run off and, and, and make so many attempts to, to live life in the world and, and live life the way they want to that God will eventually hand them over for a, for a period of time to, to, their, to their desires to the point where that storm, you know, in hopes that it's going to turn around and, and bring them back to God. You know, Israel did that all the time. Israel would have a good time, a good season. God was blessing them. Then pretty soon because they're being blessed, God, they, they, they lose their focus on God and they, and they turn away and they begin to turn to idols just as you and I do. They were turning no different idols back then than they are today. We turn to our cell phones. We turn to people around us. We turn to TV shows. We turn to religion. We turn to, to uh, pastors, personalities up on stage and our focus comes off of God and God finally comes to a point and says, listen, you want this, you can have it, but you're going to come back. And so don't get me wrong, there are periods of times like that, but if you're going through something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've done something wrong or God hates you. He's trying to teach you something. There's a reason for the season of your life right now. God is simply using this season that you're in, whether it's good or bad, to build your faith in him so that we might be able to glorify God and walk with others through our trials. Because in the end, you and I don't deserve the glory. We don't deserve the honor. And so because if we ever go through a storm or a trial and we've, and we've survived it and we've come up on top, never should we stand in a place where God is meant to be and say, listen, I was strong and I was mighty and I got through this myself. It's all glory to God. You come through and say, God, you brought me through this. I might be scarred. I might be scathed. Not by my power am I standing here, but by yours. Everything we go through is, is, is to glorify God and there's a purpose for it. So the first one, let's look at that. God uses trials in our life to test our faith. You know, it's often that we go through trials, we go through a hard time, and I don't know what you want to call I'm calling them trials. It could be tribulations. It could be testing. It could be difficult times. Whatever you want to call it, they're difficult, but they're a test, and they're a test of your faith. Of your faith, and you know, where's your faith at? Are, are, are you relying in yourself? Are you relying on God? Trials and tribulations are a test in what you believe and who you believe in. And so God uses trials to test our faith. When we're going through difficult times, it's often easy to start questioning God, saying, God, do you really love me? What have I done? Do you hate me now? Have you left me, God? Why have you left me? But do you know what the Bible says when it comes to our trials and what we're instructed to do with those trials? To take joy in them. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. James says in chapter, verse 2 of chapter 1, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, that sounds crazy, right? How many of y'all are going through something or have gone through something and someone tells you, listen, man, take joy that you're going through this. You should be excited, right? It's not that you're excited about your circumstances. It's not that you're taking joy and saying, thank you, Lord, that I lost this job. Thank you, Lord, that... That I just got the diagnosis I didn't, was not hoping for, you know. It's, it's saying, listen, Lord, 
despite what I'm going through, thank you that you're going to walk me through this and I'm going to take joy not in the fact that I'm in this circumstance, but taking joy in the fact that when I come through the other side of this storm, I'm going to be stronger, my faith is going to be, be unwavering, and I'm going to realize who you are and the love that you have for me, taking joy in that. James goes on to say uh, in verse 2, he says... Uh, so you take joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I want you to underline verse 3 if you have your Bibles. Because that's so important. The reason why your faith is being tested is not because God is playing a game with you to, to poke and prod and watch a monkey dance and watch him cry. It's to say, listen, I'm going to test your faith. Because when your faith is tested, it's going to make you stronger. And in the end, will create perseverance. In you, perseverance and the strength to withstand the next storm. And that's what James says in verse 4. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Complete and mature in what? In our faith. Knowing that God is who he says he is. That he will do what he says he's going to do. Knowing that despite my weakness, God's greatness and, and power uh, resides in my heart. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that did all the miracles in the New Testament resides in you and I now. Thanks to Jesus. And that's the purpose why where faith is tested. Is to show us what our faith is in and who we believe in. We're called to have joy in our trials because we know that God will use this season to build our faith. And when we go through things in our life, you know what happens? When we go through tough times in our life, we begin to see who God really is. We begin to see his goodness, his mercy, his faithfulness, his, his loving nature to us, that, that we are his creation, that we are his children. But you know that only comes, that, that realization of who God is and that fellowship with him only comes when we're in our storm and we give 100% of ourselves to him. It doesn't come when we're laying down and saying, God, get away from me. I refuse to pray. You know, there's a separation. It comes when we stand and we say, listen, God, there's, there, there's something going on in my life that I can't handle and I'm giving it to you. And he begins to work in our life, but it takes obedience and faith, not part faith right? It's not, it's not believing in Jesus and, and, and giving ourselves to Christ and, and plus something, you know? It's not Jesus plus. It's not God plus. It's not my faith in God plus my, what my bank account says. Or it's not Jesus plus my health right now. It's not Jesus plus the amount of stuff that I've collected in my house because this stuff is going to make me through it. It's Jesus. He's the one that's going to bring us through the trial. Him and him alone. And so we have to give ourselves 100% to him. Trials show us that God really is who he says he is, the provider, the loving father, the mighty creator. He's God above all. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Now, in verse 6, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice, knowing now for a little while that you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So you've gone through some tough times. But you know, it's kind of crazy. He says rejoice. So you're going through all these trials. Verse 7. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And so what does verse 7 say? Peter's saying, listen, these trials, your struggles, your bad time in your life have come. Not to knock you out, not to kill you, not to make you curse God, not to make you doubt in his goodness, not to make you, make you lose your faith. They have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
So when you're coming through a storm, you are going through a season because God ultimately wants the glory to be on him. And when the glory is on him and people begin to see the way that that God moved in your life and the way you submitted yourself to him and you've made it through the storm, that glory, as I said earlier, is not going to be on you. It's going to be on Jesus to bring all praise to him and what he's done. The reason Pastor Travis is still here is because of God. Nothing, I know this man, he could not have done it by himself. It was God and God alone. And because of the prayers of the people, you know, coming in the gap for Pastor Travis, he's now been healed and we can give glory to God. Not glory to him because he's strong. Glory to God for who he is, that he's a faithful healer and provider and he cares for our needs. Amen. So when your faith is being tested it may res- and you come through it, you may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You're not going through this season because God hates you. You're going through it because this, this is testing your faith, and this testing of your faith is eventually going to end up in the glorification of God and, and lifting the name of Jesus. People are going to see how you handle situations, and, and, and they're either going to, say two, they're going to either see two things. Because when we go through stuff, we have two options, right? Either we, we go through a very dark period, either the loss of a loved one or, or illness or a loss of a job or, 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 or bankruptcy, you did a divorce or separation, whatever it might be. We have two options. Lay down, curse God, blame him for our troubles and try to do it on our own and fail. Or we can say, listen, God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what I'm going through or why, and I don't get it. But I do know that you're, you are who you say you are, that you love me, that you care for me. And when we do that and submit to him, he's going to bring you through the storm, right? And, the, and, and, and people are going to see that and be able to thank God for what he's done in your life. because they know, And then they'll see that he'll be able to do it in their life as well. Point number two, God uses trials to show us that we cannot rely on ourselves. So storms, trials, tribulations, whatever you want to call them, they're a test. They're a test in, in they, they test in, in what you believe, who you believe in, whose strength you're relying on. Are you, are, you, are you relying on yourself or you're relying on God? Because out of those two, there is a wrong answer. There's a wrong answer in those two. It's a testing of your faith and what it is in. I don't know, you know, this might only be me in this whole, in this whole example here, but how many of you guys have ever been in this spot? Much like myself, where... where God has saved you radically out of, out of just a mess and out of crappy thinking and I shouldn't have said that, out of junk thinking and, and, and he's brought you out of, of just a mess and, and, and now because of his mercy and his grace on your life and, and you're walking in righteousness because of Jesus and his sacrifice, you're praising God, you're coming to church and you're lifting your hands up and you're praising and worshiping the Lord, you're in your Bible and you're on fire and you're, and you're preaching the gospel and you're doing Bible study, you're doing all kinds of things because, not because you're trying to make your way into heaven but because of the goodness of God, right? And so your you, life is good, you know, you're, you're in right relationship with God and he's, and he's providing for your needs when you never thought they could be provided for. And so life is good. You got that job you want. You got that money in the bank. And pretty soon, because life is easy, you become a little busy and your prayer life starts kind of slacking on the wayside, right? You, start, you stop putting your focus on God and you say, well, listen, all right, I prayed today. I'm a little tired, whatever. Been a long day. That goes by the wayside. And now because life is so good, we got all this time. Let's go camping in the summertime. Every weekend, we're going to be gone. We're going to fill our schedule. Church starts getting put on the back burner. And a couple years might go by and you haven't stepped foot or you haven't prayed or you know you've backslidden. And then the storm comes because it's not if, it's when. 
where the storm comes and what happens. God, why? Why am I going through this? I thought you loved me. I've done everything right, right? But what happened was you took your focus off of God. You put it on yourself. And now you're in the storm. God's goodness never changed. He never left you. You left him. God doesn't want your attention. He doesn't want your faith. He doesn't want your praise in just the bad times. He wants it in the good times. God, I'm, I've got food on my table. Thank you, Jesus. I've got a job. Thank you, Jesus. My kids are healthy. Thank you, Lord. I'm sick. Thank you, Lord. Right? God, I lost my job, but thank you, God, for what you're going to bring. Lord, me and my wife aren't getting along, but thank you for what you're going to do. Thank God. He's not there just for the good time. We cannot rely on our own strength. Because when we begin to rely on ourselves, we're going to fail. I can save you a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble, young people. If you think that you're going to make it through life and, and, and coast by, by by thinking, I'm just going to sing some songs, then I'm going to do life on my own because it's good, you're going to fail. And when you go through hard times, don't blame God for your troubles, right? When life is good, praise God. When life is bad, praise God. Don't neglect that relationship with him. He wants you 100%. Life gets easy, pray and worship. Life gets hard, pray and worship. God's desire is not that you rely on him just in the bad times, but in the good times. And his desire is not that you rely on your own strength, but on his strength. Because guess what? When you come into a place in your life and you say, man, I, I'm doing good. I look at this house I've built. Look at my kids. They're healthy. Look at, at all I've done. And oh, I don't worry about that, honey. I can take care of that. Don't you worry. When we start putting our, our faith and our hope in ourselves, immediately you've already failed because you can put your faith and your hope in your money, your money's gonna go away. You can put your faith and your hope in your house, your house can burn down, a hurricane can come along. You can put your faith and hope in people and people will disappoint you. You can put your faith and hope in, in items and junk, but they deteriorate. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't invest in things and rely on things that, can, that rot, rust can destroy and moss can destroy, but rely on, on the heavenly treasures and put your focus on the kingdom and put your focus on God so when everything else comes crumbling down, you'll still be standing on the rock of Christ Jesus. God's desire is not that you rely on your own strength, but that you rely on him. And that's called faith. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible talks about faith being, being something that, you know, we can't see, but that we believe in. You know, we, we, uh, I'm going to get this wrong. It's not in my notes, but like, they talk about how, how, how Paul talks about, it might be Paul, but he talks about how the believers that believe in Christ, even though they haven't seen him, have a better faith and a stronger faith than those who were there in person and seeing him. Faith is what it takes to trust in God, and faith is difficult. It's easy to say, brother, you got to have faith. How am I going to have faith when I can't see past the raindrops? How am I supposed to have faith when everything around me and everybody's voice is telling me I'm going to fail? It's difficult, but it's a requirement to please God. It's saying, God, I, I know what the voices are telling me. I know what my circumstances are. The world's telling me this is going to kill me, God, but I, I don't believe that. I'm believing in you. And that's faith in just saying, God, I know who you are. I know who I am. Use me. You know, God allows us to go through tough stuff to show us our absolute need for him. He allows us to go through trials and tribulations so that we realize our ultimate weakness in and of ourselves and his ultimate power and his ability to walk us through anything this life can handle. Storms are difficult. And we can pray and, and we can pray, God, please help me through this. 
But do you know that sometimes the answer to prayer is different than what we, might be different than what we have in our mind. But regardless, we still have to trust in God and say, God, I believe in you. Even if my answer to prayer is me dying, in the end, I'm still going to be with you. Right? We have to trust in God with everything. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 8. We're going to take a look at Paul's story. Now, Paul's story... He uh, lived quite the interesting life. You know, he was Saul. <clears throat> he, he killed Christians completely against it, right? Jewish leader. Uh, radical transformation. I encourage you to look that up in Acts. Um, radical transformation. He's saved. His name is now Paul. And Paul is responsible for, 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 you know, spreading the gospel through Asia and Europe. Huge. He wrote a lot of the books. I don't know how many, like, was it 13 books in the New Testament? Uh, something like that. Um, great in the Christian faith. But he struggled a lot. Not only did he struggle with the internal struggle, right? He, he, Paul's quoted as saying, listen, I don't understand this, but I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do, you know, but I know God, you know, he's content. He talks about being contented in all the good things and the bad times. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He, he, he gone through all kinds of stuff, been bitten by, by, a, by a snake. So he's lived a very difficult life. And in 2 Corinthians, he's addressing the Corinthian church, and he's telling them in verse 8, he says, listen, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. He's saying, I don't want you to be confused and think that because I'm alive now, that things were easy. He's saying, listen, my struggles were difficult. I went through a lot of stuff, so don't be confused in thinking that my life was going good and that my life was easy. He goes on to say that we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Verse 9, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So he's saying that the troubles that we went through, the struggles that I went through were so bad, I thought I was, I was given the sentence of death. I thought I was being killed. It was difficult what he went through. And he goes on to say, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And so what's Paul saying? Listen, don't be confused. My, my life was difficult. I went through a lot of struggle, but I did it not because God hated me, not because I did something wrong, but because God wanted to show me and show you and I that we cannot rely on our own strength. Paul was in situations that he could not have overcome by himself. He had to rely on God's strength. And he says, says that, he said, it happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. The God who can do the impossible can make you at, or take you out of your, your, your junk right now and out of your storm and see you through till the end. He has delivered us from such peril that he will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And so he's saying, I know another storm is going to come. I know there's another one coming. But this next time, because I went through the first one and I understand God's goodness and his provision and his, and his care for me, the next storm that comes, the next trouble in my life, I'm going to be able to make it through and have no worry because God's seen me through this one. He'll see me through the next one. Amen? Verse 11, as you help us by your prayers, that then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Prayers, praying, so important. And it's something that you and I can't neglect. And, and I don't know, it seems like Pastor Travis has talked about that. We call it, you know, the church has a prayer meeting and like two people show up. I think there's maybe perhaps that, 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 
that's a result of maybe a misconception of prayer. We, 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 we put prayer as a very formal and a very uh, to-do thing where we approach God in, in reverence and say, Holy Father, hallowed be thy name and, and, and bless me. You know, we're trying to make everything right in Babylon when the Bible says pray without ceasing. It's a conversation with God. Don't ramble on like the hypocrites outside do, you know. It's prayer. It's so important. It's what moves the heart of God and the hand of God in the lives of people. You know, you and I are here because of the prayers of somebody else. I'm here because people were praying for me. And that's the reason I'm doing it. So prayer is so important. And he says that, listen, you were praying for me. And now many are going to give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us. And so because he was saved and people have been praying, that prayer was answered. And now the prayers uh, are going to be given thanks and worship to God because of that. Paul's reminding us that he went through horrible things, but because God was with him and he put his trust in the Lord, he made it through. You know, often it's Christianese, it's a Christian term. How many of y'all have ever heard the, the, the phrase, listen, you're going to make it through because God will never give you more than you can handle, right? How many of you have said it? Me. I've, I've told people that, like, listen, oh, you, you're fine, man. Your troubles, I don't, you know, it's, it's good. God will never give you more than you are able to handle. That's false. That is false. And some of y'all might be thinking, well, hold on now. Wait a minute. It's in the Bible. Listen, I want to show you something. We get that term, God will never give you more than you can handle from, from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it's relating to the idea of temptation. Right? In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so, yes, God, in terms of temptation, will never give you more temptation than you're able to handle. And the only reason you're able to handle it is because he's providing a way out. And that is the Holy Spirit. That is that conviction that you receive when you begin to do something that you know you're not supposed to. And that voice of the Holy Spirit whispers, hey, I wouldn't do that. Uh-uh, don't do that. That is the way out. And so he'll never give you temp- more temptation than you're able to handle. But when it comes to trouble... He will allow trouble in your life and hard times in your life beyond your capability of handling. He's going to allow things in your life that you yourself will not be able to handle. However, there is hope. He will never give you anything that, that he can't handle, right? You, you might receive things that you can't handle, but nothing he can't handle. When it comes to trials and troubles, Jesus said this in John 15 verse 5. He says, I am the vine. And you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to underline that because it's so important. It's not apart from me, you can do some things. Apart from me, you can at least survive a little bit. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So when it comes to trouble in our life, if we think that we can, we can proceed in, on with our life and all of our struggles and our need by ourselves, I can tell you now, you're not going to make it. You won't be able to handle it. He goes on to say this. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And so if the branch could be cut off and survive on its own, then why do we have the vine? If God is going to give me enough struggles up to the point that I can handle, if he's only going to give me enough hard times and enough problems in my life that I can handle on my own, why do I need him? Why do I need faith? If it's impossible to please God without faith, but yet if he's able to give me, you know, stuff that I can handle on my own, I don't need that faith, it's contradictory. 
He will give you things that you can't handle, but he requires that faith and that trust in him. Right? Everybody with me? Amen. Everybody's tired now. We all walk up an hour early, man. God will give you more than you can handle, but he'll never give you more than he can handle. And he does this because God desires our faith and our obedience. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians uh, 1.11, he says, Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us. So God's purpose for trials in our life is to reveal his faithfulness, to reveal his mercy, to reveal his love for his people so that when, when people begin to realize, listen, you're only here and you're only alive because God has brought you through that, it reflects not on you but up to God and gives glory to him. Yep. It's not about us anymore, guys. It's not, it's not about us. As, you know, Pastor Travis and I had a conversation. We're not the heroes in the story. We're not the heroes in our own Christian testimony. We have done nothing to deserve the love of God. We have done nothing to deserve the mercy. I have done nothing to stand up here and proclaim the word of God except by faith, accepting the salvation of Jesus Christ in my life and him taking my sin. Amen. And putting it upon himself on the cross. And now that I'm walking through the cross and going through it, I'm covered in the blood. And so when God looks at me, the Bible tells me that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now because of Jesus' sacrifice and his blood on that cross is covering me, I am now covered in the blood of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. And when God looks at me, he looks at, a, at somebody who is saved, a child of God, who is now in the right relationship with God. Nobody can go to the Father except through Jesus, through the cross. Amen. He desires your faith 100%. All the glory belongs to him. I don't ever want anything that I do to say, well, that bow, he's a mighty warrior for God. Listen, no, I'm simply doing what I'm called to do by God and and being obedient. And he uses me somehow. And so we go through trials to reveal God's faithfulness, his mercy, his love for his people. And after a trial, we learn to trust God more and it allows us to be able to walk in life with other people who might be going through other difficult situations. I want you to raise your hand and don't be looking around trying to say, you know, looking at people. But how many of y'all have gone through some real bad storms? Just maybe you're going through it now. You, everybody's hand, right? Don't be looking around saying, hey, you should have your hand up, right? You messed up. Don't be put doing that. Now keep them up. If walking through that storm, now that you've made it on the other side, if God came to you and said, listen, you're going to do it again. Would you do it again? Knowing what you know now. Amen. I would do the same thing. It's because when we go through storms, we realize the goodness of God and we realize the lessons he's taught us and and who he is not and who we aren't. Amen. And so as we go through trials, God equips us with things uh, and lessons that we've learned from our storm that we can help others apply to their life and walk with them. And that brings us to our third point. God uses our trials to equip us to help other people in their time of need. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our trouble so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And he's saying, listen, praise for number one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your comfort on my life when my situation is bad. Now he's saying, take that comfort that we receive from God and show that to other people. Being a part of the body of Christ isn't about doing this on our own. You're commanded by God. We are commanded by God to love one another. It's not a choice. It's not an option. It is a command because God loved us. By loving other people, we say, listen, man, I might not agree with you on some theological points. I might not agree with you on some views. You might look different than me. We might come from different backgrounds, but I went through the same thing you're going through now. 
And I'm here with you. I'm going to walk with you. And we lift each other up. We don't put each other down because of the way they look or the way they talk or the way they, they act or, or what, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. The ultimate goal and the ultimate purpose of what we're doing here today is Jesus. Right? I've said it a billion times. These four walls are nothing but four walls. What we're doing here today, it doesn't, it doesn't, this alone without Jesus, us coming here doesn't send us into the gates of heaven any quicker. It doesn't make us a better person. It doesn't save you. It will not keep you out of hell. What keeps us here is Jesus Christ. And the reason why we come here is because we gather in the church as a body of Christ, as a place to come in and we can lift one another up and not put each other down, but lift one another up in love. And, and we might disagree, but we take care of that because we know that our ultimate purpose is Jesus. And there's bigger things in this world than to argue about, about you know, what, what, order the Bible book should be in or what version you should be reading of the Bible or the King James is better than the NIV. We're, there's bigger things than to argue. It's, we're all going through stuff and God's placed you and I in each other's lives to walk with one another. And so if you're thinking is that, hey, you know, I, I can't stand so-and-so, man, they're just so obnoxious, you know, they're going through our time. Hey, ask someone else to take care of that. No, God's calling you today. I don't know what phone call you need to make, what text message you need to send, who you need to go talk to today, but you need to make things right and walk with people because God's equipped you with something that somebody else needs. Amen? There's a popular phrase, you know, man, I, I didn't go to school, but I went to the school of hard knocks or the university of life. Trials in our life, right? As we go through life, we begin to learn lessons, hard lessons. You know, I've heard, of, I heard some stuff called stupid tax. We learn a lot of, lot of hard lessons, right? <laughs> I've paid a lot of stupid tax. I've had a lot of, lot of bad, hard lessons. But we go through these in order that we can learn from them and we can take that and apply it to other people's lives. There's power in community. We're all in the same boat. The benefit of the church is, is that we not only are able to come and lift one another up and encourage each other and, and dive deeper into God's word and praise God and so we can go about in our ministries out, you know, as we go, but it's to lift one another up. We receive counseling, we receive prayer, we, we, we receive advice and, and support. And I want to tell you right now, if you're going through something right now, you're not alone. If you think you're alone, you're not. I want you to know that, that, that Pastor Travis and Pastor Javi and, and Pastor Tina and Pastor Davina and myself and Matt and Jane, everybody's here. You approach them and say, listen, I'm struggling. I have nobody else. I need some prayer. I need to walk. There's people in this church that are for you and with you and love you. Amen? But that's the benefit, the power of community. And so we've looked at biblical reasons why God will, will, will allow us to go through troubles. He doesn't hand them out. Right? God doesn't give troubles. He allows them in our life to, to teach us and to, for us to learn. And so we've learned the reasons why. And so now we need to say what now? What do we do in our time of need? What do we do in our struggle? And I encourage you. The first thing is to know that God does not hate you. God hasn't left you. He hasn't. He himself said in Deuteronomy 31.6 and Hebrews 13.5, they both echo the same sentiment. They say, listen... God says, I am with you. I will never forsake you, right? I'll never leave you. And so if we come to a point in our life where we're thinking, man, God, why have you left me? I can't, I pray and I'm not, it's not going anywhere and you're not with me and I, I don't feel you anymore and I don't see you working in my life. It's not saying, God, why did you leave me? It's needing us, you know, us. I encourage you to, I do this all the time. Look in the mirror and say, listen, what have I done? What step did I take to start walking away from God? Because he's still where he was. We walked away. He'll never leave you. 
or forsake you. God, you're going through seasons in your life, season for a reason. It's not because God hates you. It's not because you've, you've done something wrong, because you've said something wrong or whatever. It's because God is trying to show you something so that he can either build your faith, he can build the faith of other people, or he can show you that, hey, you're relying on yourself. Turn that thing around, and I'm the one in charge, right? I'm the one in power. Rely on me. We can pray for comfort in our time of troubles. Prayer is so important. Pray for comfort, pray for wisdom, and most importantly, pray for patience. We don't want to rush God. As I said a couple weeks ago, Abram, right? When he said, listen, God told me I was going to have a kid, but uh, it's taking a long time, so let's speed this thing along. Didn't work out so good for him. Have patience. You're going through some struggles, right? I've been through some horrible stuff that, that probably nobody knows about except maybe Pastor Travis and my wife. Difficult things that, 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 that I know that if I would have rushed and I would have made horrible decisions trying to push God in my life, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. But, I, but you need to know that you're struggling and it feels like it's never going to end, but you need to have patience. Have patience with God, but prayer for, for that comfort, for that wisdom, and to have that patience because it's difficult. We need to pray because even the most skilled captains rely on the compass during a storm. And God is the ultimate comforter. He's the ultimate guide. In our times of need, our times of trouble, our hardship, we need to deep, dive deep into community. Don't, don't, don't neglect what we're doing today. Don't neglect your friends. Don't say, listen, I'm going through a difficult time. I'm just going to lay down and work it out with God. I hope, hope for the best. No, you need somebody to walk with you. You need somebody to be checking on you, to hold you accountable, to pray for you, to encourage you, to study the word. Dive deep into community and, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. You can't do this life on your own. You were never designed. You know, people say, well, I just don't believe in that organized religion. Well, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I, I really am because, because that oftentimes comes because something happened in the church previous in someone's life and hurt came along. But I'm telling you, if you've been hurt in the past and you're the kind of thinking that I'm not going to open myself up to anybody. I ain't going to do any of this Bible study or this prayer. Or I'm not going to this or that because I did that in the past and it didn't work out great. I'm telling you something. That was a mistake. That was something probably done out of ignorance, out of somebody in the past who themselves were immature in their faith and said something wrong. That's not the reason why we're here. We're not here because we're, 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 we're trying to be good. We're here because we love one another, because we all come from different, different backgrounds, different struggles, but one purpose, and that is Jesus. And if we have one purpose, why are we arguing with one another? Dive deep in the community and join somebody. It doesn't even have to be here. If, if you don't feel like you're called at Grace Church and you feel like you're called somewhere else, go. If they're a Bible-believing church planted in the gospel and their focus is on Christ and you're feeling called to go there, go there, but be a part of something. Be a part of a community, amen? amen? Most importantly, know that God is still working when you cannot see it. This is the most difficult, most difficult thing to do in life is when we're struggling and we've been praying and it feels like our prayers aren't being answered, but in reality, maybe they are being answered, just not in our timing, right? Be patient. Know that God is working when you can't see it. You know, you plant a seed. I'm a farmer, and so everything I think of is always in seeds and always in farming stuff. It's seems to be all I do. But seeds, you know, you plant like a bean seed or a beet seed. You stick that thing in the ground. Corn seed especially. Let's go there. Corn seed. You plant a corn seed in the ground. You put it two inches down. It gets cold, but that thing is still sitting in there. Sometimes it takes a week, two weeks, three weeks if you're really in trouble. Three weeks. But that seed is getting there and it is planting and it's putting its roots down and it's getting, getting enough nutrients and it's doing stuff below ground to provide the energy and the power to break through the soil and produce a crop. 
And so even when God is not working, that seed within you that, you know, in the middle of the storm is still working. God is doing something, and there's going to be a reason for what you're going through. You just need to, need to have patience. God's got a plan. Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, right? Oftentimes, we, 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 we mess it up when we say, you know what? We know that all things work together for good, right? For those that love God. But we leave out the called according to his purpose part. Yes, you're loved by God. You love God. But if you're not living in your calling and you're trying to avoid what God's calling you to do and you're being Jonah and you're running away from Nineveh and you found yourself in a whale, right? Or a fish, giant fish. It's just saying, listen, those who have been called according to his purposes, all things will work together for good. So you not only have to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but you need to be active and willing to step into a place of faith and say, God, I'm going to be used by you. Use me somehow, some way, and, and be open to, to what God's calling you to do. And then you know that, that storm you're going to go through, you're going to see it to the other end. It might be tough to see this now, and it might sound crueler and sensitive because you might be in the depths of it, but God has a purpose in your life and for what you're going through right now. He does. I promise you that. I've been through it. I've done it. I've done it. I did it. <laughs> you look at the life of Joseph. If you're familiar with Joseph, he was, he was Jacob. You know, he's born to Jacob. He ends up, he had a lot of siblings, and he ends up being the favorite son. So Jacob somehow, uh, you know, loves him more than his brothers and sisters. He gives him a coat, a coat of many colors, and, and it makes his, his siblings jealous, and his brothers decide, hey, you know what? Well, dad ain't looking. Let's go ahead and Get rid of Joseph, man. Let's sell him off. So they sell him into some slave, to some slave traders. Those slave traders sell him to Egyptians. He becomes an Egyptian slave. And Joseph uh, ends up being a servant or a slave, whatever. And he, he ends up being accused, falsely accused of, 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 of sexual harassment or, or of false charges. And he ends up in prison. And so he's going through a storm in his life. He's been sold by the people who are supposed to love him, who he's supposed to be able to rely on. They have left him for dead. And now he's in Egypt. He's in prison. And eventually God shows favor on Joseph. And Joseph is elevated in Egypt to, I believe, like the second in command next to Pharaoh. He's elevated in Egypt to a, to a position where he's able to make decisions and make, make, make things happen. And God gives him a vision of a seven-year famine and tells Joseph, listen, you need to be getting ready for this. And so Joseph, being obedient to God, already gone through the storms, being obedient to God, says, listen, I'm going to listen to you. And he stores up grain. He stores up provisions. And now that he's older and this famine is coming along, Jacob thinking his son Joseph was dead and his brothers thinking Joseph was dead, he sends Joseph's siblings to Egypt for food because they're going to starve. And, and, and the story goes on that Joseph reveals himself to them and they find out, you know, hey, you didn't kill me or whatever. And his family saved. They, uh, people, many people were, were fed during a starvation because of Joseph, because of the storms he went through. And Joseph says in Genesis 50 verse 19, he says, don't be afraid. And now you see, right? Okay, I better tell you before I get ahead of myself. Joseph's brothers at this point, Jacob, his dad has died. And now his brothers are worried that, that Joseph's going to take revenge. Like, hey, um, now that dad's dead, we, we did some pretty sketchy stuff to Joseph. And, and uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's going to kill us. Like, that's a natural human thing to do. Like, if somebody sells you into slavery and tries to kill you, 
buddy, you're going to be catching some hands, right? Like, that's going <laughs> to be some bad. So they're worried that, that Joseph's going to take revenge. And Joseph says, listen, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so because Joseph's storm and trials and his obedience to God in that storm and in those troubles, people have been saved because he was obedient to God and God elevated him and now his family's been saved. And without being even sold to slavery, I believe Joseph would have been dead. Family would have come along. He wouldn't have been in a position to provide for their needs. Amen? So you have a reason for your season. There's something that you're going through and it's for a reason. So don't, don't despair. It's tough. Know that God is still with you and, and he's never left you. So in closing, so I, I, I titled this message Farther Along in... in I don't know if you've heard the old song, um, Farther Along, but I wanted to read a few verses, you know. Tempted and tried, we've oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong, when death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and dreary. Then do we wonder why others prosper, living so wicked year after year. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine, we'll understand it by and by. Faithful till death, said our loving master, a few more days to labor and wait. Toils of the road will then seem as nothing as we sweep through the beautiful gates. Farther along, we'll know all about it, and yes, we'll understand it all by and by. And so I want to encourage you, you might not know what you're going through. You might not understand what you're going through, but there's going to come a time where you're going to understand it. You might be praying for relief. You might be praying for an answer to your prayers. And your answer to prayer, you know, might be not what you're thinking about. Perhaps it's that God will allow you to transition into heaven. And that's his answer to your prayer. Free from pain, whatever it might be. But know that in the end, through the storm or in the middle of the storm and we get taken to Jesus, whatever it might be, you're going to understand the reason why. Because God is perfect. God doesn't do things on accident. He does things on purpose. He's made you for a reason. You found yourself here for a reason. God is a God of perfection. And he's created you as perfection. And though you might not understand now, you're going to understand eventually. Storms, troubles, tribulations, trials, hard times, down and out. I don't care what you call them. They're tough. And you might be going through it now. But if, you're a, if you are a believer in Christ and you've given your life to Jesus, let me tell you something. You now have a hope. That is Jesus himself. Because there's, there, 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 there's not, you know... Troubles and tribulations in this world aren't, you know, they, they don't go after one set of people. They don't just go after the people that, 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 that don't believe in God or are atheists, whatever it might be. Storms also come to those who have given them life, their life to Jesus and are serving him and, and are God's children. Storms come to everybody. But you have two options, two end results. And that is being by yourself, not surrendering your life to God, trying to make it in, on your own, and ending up in death. Or surrendering yourself to Jesus. Saying I don't understand this whole gospel thing. But I know that, that you did die for me. I believe it by faith. Knowing that, that you love me. That the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to speak to you. And you surrender yourself to him. And then you start going through the storm. And you make it through. And even if you don't make it through. Everybody dies. But for the Christian. You know. You You live. You go through the process of dying, but you don't die. And so listen, if you're going through a storm now and you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you something right now. Now God is calling you right now this second and saying you don't have to go through this alone. 
I know that you might think I'm crazy. This whole gospel thing, this whole Jesus, this whole God thing sounds crazy, but I have experienced it. I have experienced the love of God. I have seen him move in my life, in my 28 years of life. I've gone through things that I know I couldn't have made it through with God, but now that everything in my life that's happened has happened for a reason, and he's placed me on the solid rock of Jesus, and I see the way he's moved in my life, and he's wanting to do the same thing in your life. You're not called to do this life on your own. He's literally done everything he can to reach out to you. Everything. God has done everything. He's given his son for you because he's loved you so much. And I have a son. I wouldn't do that for any of you. He's done everything he can. He's waiting on you to answer the call and saying, listen, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up, God. And this preacher up here is just saying things that I don't understand, God. But I know that you're speaking to me and there's something going on, Lord. But God, turn my life around. I repent of my sins. God, I am a sinner. But you're a mighty Savior, and you died for my sins. God, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior, and help me live a life for you, God. I now follow you, Lord. You are now my God, and I am now your child. And it's as simple as that. Well, simple for who, right? It can't be that easy. Well, you can't just do that. How can it be that easy? Well, listen, it wasn't easy for, for Jesus. It wasn't easy for God. It's easy for us, thank God, because of his grace and his mercy. The only thing standing between us and hell, or us and heaven, is Jesus. And the only thing keeping us in hell or out of hell is ourselves. Hell wasn't, hell wasn't, is a real place and it wasn't designed for you and I. It wasn't. God doesn't, God's desire is not to send you to hell. People will say, well, God is just an angry God and fire and brimstone. And he's looking forward to you stumbling to send you straight to hell. So turn your life around and live on the right. He doesn't desire that you should perish. Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care how good of a person you think you are. I'm telling you right now, you're not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't deserve, apart from Jesus, my, my punishment, my destination I deserve is hell. Not because um, I, 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 I'm a bad person or whatever. It's because by nature I live, I am a sinner. And, I, and if I'm living in sin, I cannot be a part of God. I cannot, though he desires to be a part of my life and walk with me, he cannot be. But that was because of Jesus, right? That's the reason for Jesus, and he's calling you today. It's simple and easy. Your life ain't going to be easy from here on out. In fact, it might get harder. It might get more difficult. Jesus said they hated me. They're going to hate you. So your life might get not, be difficult. I'm not a preacher that's going to promise you wealth and fame and, and all kinds of things if you submit to God and he's a good God who wants to give you everything good. He wants to give you good things, but you're still going to have troubles. You're still going to have doubt. But in the end, we have Jesus and that's all that matters. Amen. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for each and every one of us, Lord, and, and just the move that you're, you're doing in this church and in the hearts of your people, God. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Travis and for Tina and just the healing that took place, God. I thank you that, 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 that your word can go out and it doesn't return void. And I pray that, that the seed would be planted in good soil, that you would be with us and help us out of our temptation and help us in our struggle. Help us in our doubt, God, knowing that you are who you say you are, Lord. Holy Spirit, come in us and surround us and protect us and, and, and help us to keep that faith that will become stronger as we make it through the storm, God. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the love that we did not deserve, Lord. But you gave it because you love us. God. We thank you so much, Lord. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. 
Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.